Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak on another divisional draft recap episode. If this is your first one, I don't know how you haven't listened to the other six episodes that we've done. What are you doing? Are you an ally of the podcast or not? Go back and listen to them. Pause this one. Go back and listen to the other ones. No, and don't, and then don't even listen to this one. Because you know what? If you're not staying up to date, this isn't for you. (laughs) I wasn't going to not invite him back or anything, but actually now that you say it, I I like where this is getting savage, you know? It's a savage summer here on the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast. Get with it or get out. Yeah. Also, we love you. Thank you for listening to the show. Yeah, five stars only, please. Yeah, really the best. Today we're talking about the AFC South, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Houston Texans. What we've been doing every single uh, episode of this series is we're breaking up draft classes as we go over every single selection into superlatives. So we'll talk about, for each team, we will talk about the best pick, their most improved position group over the offseason, and then what might potentially be their biggest draft regret. And so it's been a lot of fun going through the teams in this way so far. I think it's yielded some riveting conversations that has really been able to encapsulate what a lot of these teams have been doing, not just in the draft, but an, an overall offseason plan. And so, Ben, before we start talking about EAFC South teams here, I have to ask you this question. How are you, my friend? Oh, Thanks for asking. Uh, everything is delicious. We talked about shrimp tacos and sushi for the first like 10 minutes of the pre-show. And now I would like some sushi. I didn't have any shrimp with my sushi. I'm normally like a, I'm a, I'm a spicy tuna main. Like that's what I, that's always my go-to. I feel like. Which AFC South city do you think has the best sushi? Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Houston. Well, seeing as how two of those cities are absolutely landlocked near the middle of the country, uh, and I don't, I've I don't never, know if you know where Houston is, but Houston is extremely landlocked as well. I've never well, at least Houston's closer. Uh, okay, I don't know how close Houston is, but I feel like it's like several hours. I'm also not really. I really no way. It's not that. No, 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 no. It can't be that far. Now, okay. Now I'm now I'm actually Google mapping Houston, Texas. Wait, Dude, wait, they're, wait, they're, wait. they're right next to the, they're right next to the yeah, water. I, I, I was thinking of Dallas. I was thinking of Dallas. Oh, was, get out of here! That's not me. I was thinking of Dallas. I'm oh, shut up now. I had my I had my location of my major Texas cities flipped, and that's on me. I was gonna say I felt like they had a port right close to where Texas is. Okay, so close to where Houston is. Uh, the answer is still Jacksonville. I've actually been to Jacksonville and had seafood in Jacksonville, and it's been bomb. So I'm going to go with the Jaguars. That's my vibe as well. There you go. Since you tuned, since you tuned into this podcast for sushi advice, let's. All right, well, I mean, we might as well talk about the Jaguars first. I wasn't going to talk about the Jaguars first, but now that's a, such a brilliant and easy transition. We have to go for it. Jacksonville's draft started up at the top, and they, of course. Got quarterback Trevor Lawrence at number 25, their second selection in the first round. They went with running back Travis Etienne from Clemson. Second round, they had two selections. Tyson Campbell, the corner from Georgia. Walker Little, the offensive tackle from Stanford. Third round, one selection. It was Andre Sisco, the, the Syracuse safety. Fourth round, they had two selections. Jay Tufele, 
the defensive tackle from USC and Jordan Smith, the edge rusher from UAB. Fifth round, they went with Luke Farrell, the tight end from Ohio State. And in the sixth round, they went with Jalen Camp, the wide receiver from Georgia Tech. Ben, what was the best selection for the Jacksonville Jaguars? And I'm going to challenge you here to not pick Trevor Lawrence. Okay, well, that's what my entire blurb was prepared on. I had all these (laughs) facts about Trevor Lawrence you never heard before and all these takes about how he might be able to contribute early that are all original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm on the fly here. Jake uh, Tufele. I like the oh Tufele. man. Okay, so we have the same one. We have yeah, same. we talked with Mike about how the interior defensive line need in Jacksonville might be a little bit bigger than people realize. It's not a great roster, but that was really where I think things were the weakest. And I like what you got from D- Devon Hamilton last year, third round pick out of Ohio State. Malcolm Brown, I thought was a good free agent signing, but these are rotational players. You know, Taven Bryan hasn't been it. And you want to add more impact there. Well, they don't end up going there early, but they do get a player who was once considered maybe an early selection in Tufele. And Tufele is going to be a weird type in the league in that I think he's going to be a penetration player. I think he's better one gap than he is two gap, but he's just a much higher impact run defender than he's been a pass rusher. And that's kind of how it's always been with him at USC. I think he's really, really pro ready against the run. But again, still playing a gap and, and, and generating disruption. I think that's where he's at his strongest right now. So I could see him being an early down player with Hamilton uh, and then figuring out a little bit more of a different rotation on some some laid down. So they have a lot of good run defending defensive tackles right now. So they got to figure that out. But I think the two failure can be a part of that rotation, which is really nice value for a fourth round pick. Was uh, he bet- the first pick of the fourth round? Uh, yes. Probably. No. Yeah, right? yeah. no, no, no. I think the Jets had the first pick of the fourth round. Maybe. I think. And then the Jaguars were right after that. If my memory serves me correctly, which it has failed me before, so now you'll have to Who look this up. Take? Uh Michael Carter, was it? Right, I'm looking this up now. Okay, You're, now uh, yeah, now you gotta look it up. This is a this is a draft show, so we shouldn't be leading people astray like this. Ben mentioned Mike when he was referencing the Jaguars defensive line needs. He's talking about Mike DiRocco, who covers the Jaguars for ESPN.com. And we it had, was Jacksonville. What's it like to lie? What's it like to be wrong and lie? How does that feel? I played the fifth. We had we had Mike on for our guest mock draft, and, and that's where he was really talking about some defensive line needs because at number 25 in the guest mock draft, I believe that he took Christian Barmore. At least he talked about Christian Barmore heavily when he discussed what could be the pick there for the Jaguars. It ended up, of course, not being... Christian Barmore, and we're going to get into who it was. We're going to get into this Travis Etienne pick. But I really like Tufele, and the flashes from what I saw of Tufele told me that he should have been picked before the fourth round. Now, like Ben mentioned, it was early fourth round. It was the first selection of the fourth round. So you could basically say that it's one pick away from being a day two selection. So it's not like he was picked late on day four, early on day five, or round four and five, excuse me. But I still felt like he should have been picked a little bit earlier. However... Him not really taking that next step of consistency when it came to one gap penetration, a real pass rush, that leads you to believe that, okay, the fourth round was probably a good projection for him, and they had the chance to take him at the beginning of day three, and you like what they did there. Because Taven Bryan's on his way out. That experiment's over. They got to get somebody else in there who can at least give you occasional pass rush potential from the interior. And I think Tufele's a really good one. I love Tufele when I watched him in summer scouting. I think that he was a top three interior defensive lineman for me. But it just didn't, obviously he didn't play last year and it just didn't take that next step because he wasn't able to because of the 
the COVID-19 season in which he opted out from. So it's going to be the first time he's putting on pads in a long time. You're going to be starting from the baseline of what you see in his tape from the previous season. And it's going to be a long way to go, I think, until we get some consistent play from him. But I like the value here of getting to Fele early day three. Right. Just right. a player who should have gone on day two who we get to take at the top of day three. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. what was for the sure, most sure, improved sure. position group for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Again, you can't say quarterback because quarterback you... is the obvious one ruin everything uh wide receiver because they signed marvin jones and drafted travis Etienne. Uh, no 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 this seems like a real thing have you read about this yeah look i urban meyer's gonna do crazy stuff with speed he is going to try to justify this travis Etienne selection in any way shape and form so sure playing Etienne at slot receiver okay they're just going to get him on the field however they possibly can. And I'm telling you, I really don't think the Jaguars believed anybody was going to take Darius Tony before 25. I really think that they got bamboozled. The way that Urban Meyer talked about how he wished so bad that he had the opportunity to take Darius Tony makes me believe that he really did not think that anybody was going to take Tony before they came out of 25, and that Tony was actually going to be a Jaguar. Even from the ways that he explained, because what, what did he say after they drafted Travis Etienne? Like, oh, uh, you know, he'll be a, he'll be like a third down back for us. Like James Robinson and Carlos Hyde are getting, getting the early down work, and that they drafted, they drafted a third down running back at number 25 overall. That doesn't make any sense. He talked about how much Travis Etienne could do for him in the passing game. Of course, like that's the plus. That's what you want. But I, it just felt like in his explanation of Travis Etienne, that Etienne was not their prioritized player. And especially with them trying to run Etienne in the slot and as a pseudo receiver, it makes me really just believe that they wish so badly that they had drafted Kadarius Tony. That that's my takeaway with the Lords or the, with the, the Travis Etienne pick. So for anybody who doesn't follow closely, Urban Meyer has Etienne working out as a wide receiver at rookie minicamp right now, which like it's rookie minicamp. So it doesn't really, it's not that important, but also it is a little bit like what uh, Etienne was asked about it and said, and I love this quote. When I came out here, he brought me into a room, asked me how I felt about it. And I feel great about it. What? Brought me into a room. Is uh, to me, that's extremely ominous. When I came out here to Jacksonville, Urban Meyer locked me in a dark room with one light. And he slammed down on the desk like a police interrogator. And he said, how do you feel about playing wide receiver instead of running back? And I wanted to get out of that room because I was uncomfortable and scared. So I said yes. Um, right. So he, it's a bunch of like coach speaky sort of stuff. But I think that when you look back on what Urban has done, like you said, like with speed, I think that he envisions being able to line ETN up at outside of the backfield and then get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage, whether with touch passes or jet touches or reverses or bubble screens or whatever. And that he wants to do that because ETN's best ability is the speed. And also, and with, with ETN's contact balance, with his urgency and with some of his issues with his eyes, like I kind of get it. Um, but also, what are you doing? Uh, so it's not actually wide receiver, though. It's it's fun to say that it's wide receiver. Uh, it's probably... This is easy, Ben. Come on. Mm, well, you can't... Not let me say quarterback. To me, quarterback's the easiest one. It's probably well, corner. Corner, With the correct. additions of Shaquille yeah, yeah, yeah. Griffin right. and Tyson Campbell. Right. Yeah. I do think that, like, the signing of Marvin Jones, uh, Philip Dorsett as well, drafting Jalen Camp, 
Josh Mitchell on draft free agency. Like I do like what they did at wide receiver overall, but you had Tyson Campbell as a corner. You had Shaquille Griffin, obviously in free agency on a big term, big time deal. The concern I have with corner, the reason for my is I still don't really understand what they're trying to do with the nickel. Uh, and that concerns me that they're not going to have a guy who can play over the slot. I mean, if you, Other want, than to, that, if you want to throw safety in there as well, they signed Rayshon Jenkins, who had a pretty nice year as a free safety for the Chargers last year. And they drafted Andre Sisco, who we know is a very uh, big impact, kind of a strong safety, although he's aggressive. you got to tone it down a little bit going into the league. But I, I think it's just secondary overall. They've thrown a lot of resources there. But, you know, Building off of this secondary conversation, going into what could be some draft regrets for the Jacksonville Jaguars, we already mentioned wide receiver, or should I say them taking a running back at 25 and wanting him to be a wide receiver. Right. Also, Tyson Campbell at 33. You know, I, I, I like Tyson Campbell as a player. I know the NFL really liked Tyson Campbell as a player. This, we were told, was kind of the range for him. Beginning of day two, probably a top 50 selection. But for Jacksonville, who's playing slot? Because now you have, as Ben mentioned, you have Shaquille Griffin. You just drafted C.J. Henderson in, in the first round last year. And now you've got Tyson Campbell. Some people have been talking about, okay, well, this is kind of a C.J. Henderson's put on notice. I I, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Like He was a top 10 selection at corner last year. And I understand that Urban Meyer didn't draft him, but he knows C.J. Henderson well. He's up, he knows the Florida football program well, and so it's not like this is just a, I've never heard of this guy, I don't care about this guy, I didn't draft this guy. He knows Henderson really well. So I'm not right. so sure that this is, that that's, that's actually the plan, that Henderson's like gonna sit now. So I think they have some figuring out to do. Urban Meyer, I believe, was the one who mentioned Tyson Campbell potentially playing at safety as well. Seems like they're they're comfortable getting him pretty versatile in the cornerback and safety room. But I don't know. There's a lot to there's a lot to figure out there, and so just my overall biggest draft regret with the Jaguars is there's not really a streamlined way to look at pick 25 or pick 33 and say, "Yep, the Jaguars got better because I can see where these guys are going to impact the team heavily." I don't know. Right? They might, but, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. No. Emphatically, my big draft regret for the Jaguars is we had something with James Robinson. And then we brought in Travis Etienne and there's a chance that our plan with Travis Etienne doesn't even make too much sense. Um, and that we're going to be just kind of blowing this second first round pick. Like this was the Jalen Ramsey pick. If it ends up being a rotational running back gadget player, man, like uh, urban's good as a coach. Like I think he can use that player. Well, I don't think that it's it's worth that. You know what I mean? Like especially, I don't, I don't especially, see how... especially when you have a left tackle playing on the franchise tag. You know what I'm saying? Like that that right. that continues to get get me here with the Jaguars draft. I don't bother me too much because I do think Cam Robinson's good, and I know that. That's I think of, the I think that he's up. fine as well. But obviously, playing on the franchise tag, there's not a guarantee that he's going to be the left tackle of this team moving forward. And why? Well, obviously, he is next year, but he still has a lot to prove, especially with the new coaching staff coming in. And they just Mess around, and I feel like got kind of cute with twenty with twenty five and thirty three. You had really good offensive linemen that were on the board at twenty five and thirty three, and you got players that maybe you're pumped about. But unless you use them correctly, like you mentioned, Travis Etienne being a gadget guy, Tyson Campbell kind of where is he playing? Outside corner? Whose job is he taking? Is he playing safety? Okay, it's a position he's never played before. It's just a little weird when you have a potential offensive line need the way that the Jaguars do. 
So yeah. Yeah, I uh, I do not think. I, I, whenever we end a Jaguars conversation, I always just want to say at the end, I do not think this is going to go well. Indianapolis Colts. Chris Ballard at the helm. Having another draft here. Quiddy Pay was at the top. Edge rusher from Michigan. Second round. They followed it up with another edge rusher. Deo Odiangbo from Vanderbilt. Fourth round. Kylan Granson, tight end out of SMU. Fifth round, Sean Davis, a safety out of Florida. Sixth round, Sam Ellinger, the QB of the future from Texas. Seventh round, they had two selections. Mike Strachan, the wide receiver from Charleston. And Will Fry's great name. Interior offensive lineman from Penn State. Where are we going first here, Ben? I wrote about it uh, after the the the, cla- the picks, the, the class. I just don't really love everything that happened here for the Colts in general on in terms of how they went about the draft and obviously avoiding tackle. And they signed Eric Fisher, and that's good. We hope that Eric Fisher is healthy. Um, so all in all, it was a weird class for me. Tough to find a player on whom I really want to hang my hat. And it's funny, like I would have told you pre-draft, I'm going to love Deo Diangbo. I'm going to love the team that takes him. I'm really big on him. I think he's a good player. Uh, I did not think we'd see him fringe top 50. Uh, he went 54. I would have guessed he was going around later. Uh, and so Odiangbo is probably still my favorite pick because I think that he can be a starting 3-4 defensive end, 4-3 defensive end. I think he can stand up. I think he can do a ton for you. Uh, the versatility is great. The power is great. The arm length is awesome. Uh, the effort is, is is really cool. You get his pad level a little bit better, and you teach him a rush move or two, and you should be well on your way to having an impact guy. Uh, good for the Colts who are really building out a big, long, strong defensive line. I, I, like, the, uh, I like the approach there, I will say. Uh, so that's probably still my favorite pick. But in general, um, not, uh, I mean, obviously their day three was a bunch of, of, of names that I think people weren't super accustomed to or didn't expect to go that highly. Uh, and then for me, I just won the biggest Quiddy guy. And so it's kind of Odiangbo by default a little bit. I had Quiddy as edge too. So he's, he's comfortably my favorite pick that the Indianapolis Colts made here. But, you know, I, I look at defensive line and I look at the rest of this draft and I say, okay, D-line is, is the area in which I feel like the Colts improved the most this offseason because of the two higher draft resources that they used here before day three. I, I think that there might be some regret here with, with how they handled their offensive line situation. Obviously, they bring in Eric Fisher and that's a lot better than what they had before Eric Fisher, but Eric Fisher is also coming off a major injury. So there's not a guarantee that you're going to get him as much as you might need him for a potential playoff run. And I don't know, man, I I just, I feel like the Colts were trying to target offensive tackle in the second round or corner, but this draft really didn't do them any favors because trade up, man. I know, I know, I know, but I'm, Asante Samuel went 47. If you think about this, because uh, Odiangbo went 54. Asante Samuel went 47. Samuel Cosme went 51. Dylan Radins went 53. And it was just mm-hmm. like, boom. Like, I think all three of those players were heavily on the Indianapolis Colts board. And within seven picks, three all three of them went off the board. And I think that they kind of settled for Odiangbo. I wonder if he was just like one of their guys that maybe you're right. Maybe maybe they had him as a more of a, a third round target or more of somebody who might have been a later round target. But when you look at Indianapolis, they had that second round pick at, at 54 and then they didn't pick again until 127. So it's not like they had a lot of flexibility there afterwards to potentially target Odiangbo. So 
maybe they just wanted to go up and, and make sure that they got somebody they were comfortable with at 54 if those other guys were on their radar and they're no longer on the board. So my biggest draft regret for Indianapolis is not addressing corner or offensive line. The Eric Fisher thing might help because I've, I've had a lot of fans tweet at us and say, hey, you know, like since the Colts signed Eric Fisher, like does this change your view of how they drafted? Not really of how they drafted. I think the outlook is better because you hope mm-hmm. that Fisher's going to come back, but I still just didn't love the draft by the Colts. I like Quiddy Pay. Odiengbo is a good player, but how much better are the Colts really after this draft? I'm not sure it's a lot. I think the Quiddy Pay right. is going to be good for them, but how much does that really impact their ability to really compete in a strong AFC? I'm not so sure. And the thing about uh, signing Eric Fisher is you can draft a round two tackle and then sign Eric Fisher. <laughs> and and this is a guy coming off an Achilles injury. Uh, I would encourage you to draft insurance if you're signing Eric Fisher. You know what I mean? Like, I'd love for Fisher to be good, but you have to acknowledge the the trickiness of what's coming up in terms of, of, of his health uh, and, and his projection, new, new team and all that. It, it is risky to be like, yeah, well, we didn't get a tackle, so we just got Fisher. Well... This would have, you know, like, the Fisher's not, not a lock like that. I wish he was, but I don't think he is. I'm with you. I think that's where I am on the Colts as well. Before we get to the other two teams in the AFC South, got to talk to the draft fans out there about Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, and it's offering a, a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. Get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea by texting DRAFT the word draft, to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels to increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, if you text right now, they will include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape. Absolutely free. Text draft to 231231. That's draft to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. And then, of course, if you're looking to improve your diet, you know, if you're getting eugenics and you're looking to just go all the way and improve the diet as well, you mm-hmm. got to look into BuiltBar.com. These are the best tasting protein bars that are great for your diet as well. They're really good for your macros. They're low in calorie, low in sugar, but also high in protein, high in fiber too. They have a lot of different flavors. Whether you are a fruity kind of protein bar person, peanut butter, chocolate, more nutty flavors, whatever it is, Built Bar has got a flavor out there for you. Head over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your next order. Use LOCKED15, 15% off the best protein bars on the planet over at BuiltBar.com. Had to drag that one out a little bit. Make sure, that a, make sure that there was the dramatic emphasis. Tennessee Titans, let's talk about the Titans next. First round, they went with Caleb Farley. They stopped Farley's slide, the cornerback from Virginia Tech at number 22. 53 in the second round, Dylan Radens, the offensive tackle from North Dakota State. Third round, they had two selections. Monty Rice, the linebacker from Georgia, and then Elijah Molden, the corner from Washington. Fourth round, they went Des Fitzpatrick, the wide receiver from Louisville, and Rashad Weaver, the edge rusher out of Pittsburgh. Sixth round, Racy McMath, the wide receiver from LSU. Great name. And then also, Brady Breeze, the safety out of Oregon. Another great name. It is. Ben, when you look at this Tennessee Titans draft hall, what do you see as your favorite and best selection here? Elijah Molden, safety nickel player out of Washington. Loved him. Yeah. Loved him He's coming awesome. out. 
Love him as a fit for Tennessee. The toughness, the ability to play zone at an impact level, right? Short zones have to have instincts. You have to have the ability to cover a lot of space. You got to be able to understand what a quarterback's eyes are telling you. Uh, Molden's got all that in space. A really good run defender. It's like souped up Desmond King. Uh, Desmond King, I know that athletically they're kind of the same, so it's probably just Desmond King, but I'm going to call it souped up Desmond King. Uh, I really, really liked that pick, and I thought it was appropriate for the role, and I think I'll be able to start for them in their nickel uh, when you have five defensive backs on the field, which is obviously, you know, the, the most commonly used personnel grouping nowadays. So in general, uh, I usually really like Robinson usually drafts really well against my board. Like he obviously makes those, those early aggressive picks, right? Like the, the, the big risk picks. Usually he drafts really solid to my board. He didn't do that this year so much. Uh, you know, Raiden's was like a fine pick, but like rice was early for me. Rashad Weaver was, early-ish for me. Des Fitzpatrick was definitely early for me. Um, but Molden was the one where, like, if I were running the Titans, that would have been my pick. Uh, and so John Robinson, not as good as usual. Step up your game, but good job on the Elijah. Wow, calling out an NFL GM right here on the pod. We've never done that before. I never obviously will. loved the Elijah Molden selection. He, he was one of my favorite defensive backs in this entire class. I knew that he wasn't going to be a first-round guy, but I was comfortable with him anywhere on day two. And I mean that. Like, if you would have taken him early second round, I'd have been like, okay, great, you're getting a really good football player. He right. is he is that hybrid kind of strong safety, nickel defender. Ben, even you talked about him playing some outside corner, correct? Like, I, you don't want you don't want to you don't want him living out there. But I felt like you said that he had a little bit of flexibility to play outside corner. Yeah, but if you're playing cover two, okay, or right, 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 right. That's what you right. Which, okay. Tennessee's not super heavy on, but it works. I, I And so all that to say, them getting him at pick number 100, I, th- I think is excellent value. But I also got to give a shout out to Caleb Farley's selection as well. Of course, we don't know exactly what the long-term health of Caleb Farley is going to be. He's coming off back-to-back uh, back surgeries over the last couple of years. He also has the torn ACL from back in 2017. He's converting over from wide receiver. And so it, it, it's not like he's been playing corner very long. But when he was out there, I mean, especially in, 20, in 2019, and that tape was awesome. And if that's a baseline of what we're getting for what Caleb Farley can do as a corner, if this dude's healthy, he has CB1 potential in the NFL, no question about it. And so I think that before Farley's second back surgery, where we we started to kind of get a little bit nervous here with him and his injury history, we were projecting him to go number nine overall to the Denver Broncos, number number eight yeah. to, the, to the Carolina Panthers, number 10 to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, like, he had top 10 written all over him. They get him at 22, and I think that that's got to be a big win for Tennessee, which now has huge cornerback needs moving on from Malcolm Butler and Kenny Vaccaro and Adoree Jackson. Just like there, there's there's so many coverage players that are missing from last year, and granted, I mean, last year's coverage guys were not good, so you wanted to move on from them anyways, but anytime you're just straight replacing snaps, you've got to get somebody in there who's got impact caliber, and I think that that is Caleb Farley. So love the Elijah Molden pick as well, but I wanted to definitely shout out Farley. So that is my group that I think that they improved the most, secondary, with, with those two additions, oh, given yeah? what they lost. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's edge, right? You get the Danico Autry signing, and then the Bud Dupree signing, which yep. obviously that's big, big, well. big, big money. Uh, Harold Landry's still there, letting go of Jadavian Clowney, who obviously wasn't a high sack player. Uh, and then you draft Rashad Weaver. So Edge is probably your, your most improved group. I do want to say this. I had my first offseason shenanigan with the Tennessee Titans oh, this fan could mean, base. This, this could mean anything. Okay, I'll, I'll, I will clarify, because you as a media member will know what I'm talking about. But oftentimes you write a piece 
and the piece is about X. When you're talking about X, you have to mention A, B, C, D, E, and F, like just like in the context, uh, to create the context for X. And a fan base will read it, and they'll take E, and they'll be like, well, how could you say E? And you're like, guys, the point is X. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but E! It's like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> right, but like this was like a sentence. I know exactly what you're right. talking about. This is a huge thing that you have to deal with, and it's exhausting. I wrote about how A.J. Brown is going to have to shoulder 120, 130-plus targets, could realistically be at 160-target player this season, given the fact that it's Josh Reynolds, uh, Nick Westbrook, Des Fitzpatrick, Rashad Davis. Like, that's Racy McMath. That's who we're looking at uh, with his team. And, and, and new offensive coordinator Todd Downing is a little bit more pass-heavy, at least was when he was with the Raiders, than Arthur Smith was. And in this process, I mentioned that the Titans – you know, a pass happy offense is often the result of a team that's dealing with a lot of deficits and the Titans defense, I said, is probably going to be worse than it was last year. This was the worst thing I could possibly say. The, uh, pe- wait, people saying that the Titans defense is going to be worse than it was last year. I'm saying the Titans defense is going to be worse than it was last year. Yeah, I know, but people were super up in arms about that. Yes. So the Titans defense was definitely objectively bad last year. It was 29th out of 32 teams in overall DVOA, 29th out of weighted DVOA. So in general, only three defenses worse. Houston, Jacksonville, Detroit. Now for everybody playing at home, the Titans defense lost uh, Jadavian Clowney, Adoree Jackson, Malcolm Butler, and Daquan Jones. Uh, I was big time interior defensive tackle for them. They added... Danico Autry, Bud Dupree, Caleb Farley, and Janoris Jenkins. So Jackson and Butler both play bad, both leave. You bring in Jenkins, who has not played very well the last couple years, and Caleb Farley, who's a rookie who we really like, who may not be healthy. Uh, You lose Clowney and you bring in Dupree. I think Dupree's better than Clowney. I also don't think Dupree is $18 million per year rusher. On you add Danico Autry, who's a good, like, five-sack-per-year guy. You also, right now, playing your nose is Daylon Mack, who was an undrafted free agent last year, I want to say. Uh, regardless. No, I think he got drafted. Who drafted? Okay. I, I Actually, would, I feel like he got drafted in the fifth round. Hold on. Now I got it. Now did I the Titans try. draft him, though? I feel like Fifth Titans- round, baby. No. No, the Titans did not draft him at right. all. Daylon Mack yeah, so- was drafted by... The Baltimore the Ravens. Ravens in 2019. The, the Giants, the Packers, and the Cardinals <laughs> in the course of the last year, according to Wikipedia. So yeah. all of this to say, it's not, you didn't, you didn't, maybe you'll be the same, but you're not going to be like measurably, demonstrably, emphatically better. I, I would love to see it, but there's, there's very little reason for me to have faith in that. So, uh, Edge is the most improved position, but man, Tennessee fans, if you're like, oh, our pass coverage is good now, so we have Caleb Farley and Janoris Jenkins and Elijah Molden, may the Lord ride with you. Uh, but that I'm not, I'm not putting, I'm not backing that horse. That's that's too tough for me. You know what? I gotta agree with Titans fans unconditionally. They won't be worse than they were last year, because be- being worse than 29 is. Very, very, Pretty. very, 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 yeah. very difficult. But you're right. I, I, I don't think that the Titans' defense is going to be something that's going to carry the team. And with everything that they lost on offense, it's why I, I really do think that Tennessee is going to take a big step back this year. I, I don't think they're going to be the contenders that they have been over the last couple of years. And right. I, I don't think that they'll be awful. And I don't think that you said that they will necessarily be awful either. But 
Um, I, all I was saying was that AJ Brown's going to see a lot of pass targets late in games. That's literally all I was attempting to say. And you know what? You are right. My biggest draft, my biggest draft regret for them, might be the Monty Rice selection. I think the Monty Rice is a good early down linebacker, but from what I've been told about Rashawn Evans, who I had really high hopes for. People have told me that that Rashawn Evans is is just that early down linebacker. He hasn't developed into the coverage linebacker that they've really wanted him to be that would warrant his draft selection. And I feel like he still could be better yet. But if you just drafted Monty Rice in the third round and he's basically what you already have in Rashawn Evans, then are you simply just hoping that Evans will walk or I just, I didn't really understand the Monty Rice selection because I feel like, I feel like he's a depth linebacker for this team right now, especially with Jalen Brown back. So now it's, it's Jalen Brown and, and Rashawn Evans running in the middle. Are, are they giving up on Rashawn Evans? Because when you draft the linebacker with a third round pick, it makes me feel like you're hoping that he really becomes a starter and, and maybe he's going to become a starter for, for Jalen Brown, but then you're just going to yeah, have Jalen Brown's also on a one-year deal as well. Right. right? I, and I understand that, but are you going to replace him with Monty Rice? Because if that's the case and you, you keep Rashawn Evans, then is Rashawn Evans and Monty Rice just going to be these early down linebackers that you don't trust in coverage with either of them? Because that's a little weird to me too. So I think Monty Rice is a fine player. I do. I just don't, Mm-hmm. really know how he helps the Titans, especially, so is he like, are you giving up on Robin Evans? I'm I'm just not sure. So I think yeah. that that might be a little draft regret because he was picked decently early. What number was Monty Rice? Monty Rice was... 84. Ooh, 92, close. You would have been close with Price's Right rules because you didn't go over. Yeah, but sir. I mean, like, I feel like it could have been a different position other than linebacker in the third round. So I think that that might be a little regret for him. I, uh, yeah, I my biggest regret is just obviously not going wide receiver earlier. You know what I mean? Like, no, all right, Caleb Farley. We're gonna get aggressive. We're gonna pick Caleb Farley. Sick. I love it. Good deal. That's a lot of fun. I understand why you're doing it. Uh, we're gonna take Dylan Raiden's in round two. You know what? Right. Isaiah Wilson lost. You let Dennis Kelly walk. I don't, I'm not really sure why you did that to be honest, but okay. You needed Raiden's. This is good. This makes sense. Once we get to Monty in round three, it's like guys draft a wide receiver, and then they draft Desus Patrick in round four, and it's like ah, maybe not that one. Uh, which I hope that Des is good. But I didn't have the biggest eval on Dez. Wasn't the biggest fan of Fitzpatrick coming out of Louisville. And so, uh, to me, I I look at a team that's super thin at wide receiver in an era in which like more wide receivers are playing significant snaps and getting more significant targets than ever. And I'm just like, uh, okay, sure. Uh, I I hope that Todd Downing can be the same running game savant that Arthur Smith was. But I'm not sure that that's reasonable. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NHL, NBA, and even all of your UFC and MMA action as well. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams start to prep for their big-time playoff runs and as the regular season really starts to get underway for some of these sports as well. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code locked on. That's all caps, one word, locked on. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Final thoughts on the AFC South draft coming up after the break. All right, the final team here in the AFC South. We saved the most lengthy draft for last, the most impactful draft, the most earth shattering selections the league has ever seen in one haul. 
Okay, maybe not. It's the Houston Texans. They didn't they didn't pick in this draft until the third round. Pick number 67 was the first time they selected. And with that selection, they went with Davis Mills, the quarterback from Stanford. Later in the third round, they got Nico Collins, the wide receiver out of Michigan. Fifth round, two selections. Brevin Jordan, the tight end from Miami. Garrett Wallow, the, the linebacker out of TCU. And then in the sixth round for their final selection, they went with Roy Lopez, the defensive tackle from Arizona. Ben, the scarce class, and it was not one that held a lot of premium picks in it. Have a favorite selection here with the the Houston Texans? Yeah. I like Brevin Jordan. I think that at that point in the draft, even for athletic testing that really underwhelmed, you take a player with Brevin Jordan's talent and you say, you know what? This guy just has a good knack for the game. He's got a good feel for space. And summer scouting last year, I've been talking about how Brevin's just like a, a weirdly good yak player. And I'm not sure why he's as good at yak as he is, but he is. And I like that about him, and I respect it. Uh, so I think that that's an appropriate time to be drafting Brevin Jordan, and I think that that was a good pick, and I would like to congratulate the Houston Texans on making it. I agree. Uh, Brevin Jordan <laughs> Brevin Jordan was, was definitely the best pick of this draft, getting him in the fifth round. I, I did not think that he was going to be, I believe he was tight end nine in this draft. I think eight other tight ends went before Brevin Jordan, which I think is a little bit crazy. Yes, I, tight end I, nine was the number I heard as well. I didn't, I didn't expect for him to uh, go in the second round or something, but I didn't expect for him to be a fifth round pick either. So I really like the value there. I think he's going to bring a lot to the receiving game. Uh, it's great. I, I when I think about position groups that are the <laughs> most great. improved, uh, I guess it's tight end. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm looking at the roster now. What, what else? So, is, right. If you if you span it out to be like all of 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 free agency as well because this team literally all they did was just sign free agents like it's unbelievable how much turnover i don't know if you've seen the graphic that flows oh, around yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. right detailing how many so it's kind of like pick your poison because they added players everywhere so who are your favorite players that they added and you can just go for that spot i personally like what they did at linebacker uh i was not the biggest bernardrick mckinney fan Moving on from him and getting Shaq Lawson is, to me, decent return. They got Shaq Lawson, right? Yeah, yeah they did. Um, like Kamugu J. Hill, on-ball Sam, special teams player. Like Kevin Pierre-Lewis, thought he was a starting caliber player for Washington. Surprised they let him go. Uh, Christian Kirksey did not have a good season with Green Bay. I liked him when he was in Cleveland, so maybe you figure out something there. Uh, and then uh, Joe Thomas has always been a good rotational player in Dallas, who I've admired. And so I generally like the approach at linebacker. I thought they got some good bodies in there. Drafted Garrett Wallow in the fifth round as well, who is would be a great linebacker if he weighed an extra 10 pounds, had extra three inches on each of his arms, but he doesn't. So he's just a space guy. <laughs> and that's very unfortunate because he's actually a good film. It's just not big enough to stick in the league, I don't think. Worst draft selection? Davis Mills. Yeah, it's it's got to be Davis Mills because... Oh, we needed a quarterback. Nope. Yeah, I, I feel like this was a... This is a weird selection. I think they convinced themselves that this pick here at, at number 67 had to be a quarterback. Right. Like, well, we, we got to do this because of the Deshaun situation. What? You don't we, have to do it. Right. What What is... Is Davis Mills going to be better than Tyrod Taylor? Is no. is is Davis Mills going to be better than Ryan Finley? Even I, I don't I don't even know if that's for sure, right? So right. instead, all you do is you sat here and you said you you convinced yourself we don't have a lot of picks, so we have to take a quarterback with our first pick. And in reality, it should have been 
we don't have a lot of picks. We shouldn't waste one on a quarterback that's not going to make a difference for us. Right. That's the, that's the way that I see it. And that's why the Davis Mills pick is the worst pick for me. Yeah, I don't think you have any big regrets because you had such little capital to deal with. I will say that I think you'll end up not loving your Nico Collins trade up. I don't think you're going to see the return on that investment to justify it. But even then, it's like, all right, it was your only big move of draft weekend, so it feels like a big deal. But it was like day three picks. It was a you know for a round three pick. Like it's 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 not as I I I didn't like it at all, and I was like this was really bad. And then after draft weekend, I kind of like sobered up. I was like ah, it don't really matter that much. Just go ahead and do it. Um, but it's, I think you'll still end up regretting it. Did I tell you my big brain idea for the Texans and what this draft should have been? Uh, I would like to hear it. They should have traded every pick. Just draft future picks. Yep. They should have traded every single pick in this draft for a future pick either next year or the year after that is either one or two potentially, but probably not. So either one round ahead. So like they should have traded 67 in the third round, which was the beginning of the third round, by the way, for a second round pick to a contending team and just take a second round pick. They should have done the same thing before they traded up for Nico Collins. They should have done the same thing with their fifth round picks. I think they should have traded every single selection in this draft betting either like because here's the thing you're building for a team that you don't even know right now there is no identity of the Houston Texans because you have no idea if Deshaun Watson is going to be your quarterback moving forward or not it all hangs on that that entire situation how it plays out so you you can't be sitting here building for a situation that you don't even know and obviously like I'm kind of kidding here but also I'm kind of not because it's Deshaun's I think, quarterback, right, they should have, have been a better future oriented. Right. But instead, they were like, get Davis Mills. We don't know what's happening with Deshaun. Also, right. uh, you know, uh, like, go oh, trade up for Nico Collins. We need a wide receiver. And it's like, dude, you guys need time is what you need. Like, right. And, and, and to go have, off of that, can you here, imagine yeah. how stacked their next two draft halls could be if they just traded back all of their picks this year? Obviously, it's probably not going to happen. You know, they, it wouldn't, it, they wouldn't be able to. I don't know if they trade all of their picks. It'd probably not be realistic. Maybe you keep the six round pick as a novelty for the one draft pick that you have in the year, which actually would actually be hilarious. But any top pick that you possibly have, I'd trade it to next year. I'd increase the value of it. I, that's what I would have done if I was the Texans. Because right now, what do you what do you win in next year? Jack freaking squat. What do you win in the year after that? Jack freaking squat. But two years from now, three years from now. Maybe, Four years maybe you might be winning something. Even without Deshaun Watson, they would have been much better served trading their picks or been b- being more future-oriented. But that's that's where we are here. Did you have any other words on the Texans, or can we get out of here? Absolutely. I No, we didn't have more words on the Texans. That's when it! When the Texans are interesting, I will have more words on the Texans. NFC West is coming up next. we got one more division to talk about. Man, it's a big one. Arizona Cardinals? Seattle Seahawks? Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, a lot of moves, a lot of good picks, a lot of head-scratching picks. I feel like there's going to be some yelling. I feel like there's going to be some high-pitched voices. There's going to be a lot of fast-talking from Ben and I on the final episode, and that's why I I purposefully left the NFC West for last because it's going to give us that. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, 
everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.